five, four, three, two, one. Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 24 of One Man Watchpoint and Overwatch Podcast. This is, of course, an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. As you know, I'm your host, at Sir Dr. JM. You can find me on Twitter, you can find me on Instagram, you can find me on all the social things. Give me a follow, reach out to me, I'd love to interact with you over there. Um, and if you have suggestions, if you have questions, if you have any topics or anything like that that you'd like me to discuss on the show, go ahead and drop me a line and I'd be happy to. You can afford, of course, not of force, of course, find this podcast on all your favorite podcast services around the globe, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, etc., etc. And of course, if you find something that you can't find it on, uh, reach out to me on Twitter there, as I mentioned before, and uh, I'll be happy to look into that. Now, if you're new to the show, uh, things typically look like this. We start off with a little bit of the latest news going on in Overwatch as it relates to the game and everything surrounding it, including the Overwatch League. We move on from there to another segment that at this point is so far in the distant memory because the Overwatch League is not ongoing right now. So we move into the Owl Tracker, where we of course look at the latest uh, trades and movement in the Overwatch League. Now, of course, um, as we get farther and farther from the October date where uh, trades were first opened, um, things have slowed a little bit. Certainly there are still some moves happening and things like that, but as we're actually in, uh, what is this month, November now, we're rapidly approaching November 13th, which is, I believe, uh, the next trade deadline. So this is when we'll find out about any of those players who were signed to... Uh, contracts in 2019, I believe. Um, we have to find out if they're if they're having their ex options exercised or not, and things like that. Um, so as of recording, that is this Friday. So I'm sure we'll get some juicy news uh, coming out this week, before then, and then shortly after. So I would suspect next week next week's episode on the 16th uh, will be a banger. If not, I'm honestly thinking I might even push recording that back to maybe the 17th, uh, just to get the mon full Monday and Tuesday in there, because I usually record late in the day, um, so that we can hopefully have a little bit more news. But I digress. For now, let's get into things, and we'll kick things off with, uh, albeit a short, news segment. Playtime's over. All right, so our first news story today. Um, I'm going to pull from dottiesports.com this was written by kale michael and it reads like this overwatch contenders gauntlet 2020 is heading online with four regional events four events four prize pools and some extra matches too blizzard is officially taking the 2020 overwatch contenders gauntlet online with four separate regional events to determine the best of the best in tier 2 competition the company announced today Throughout December, teams from Asia, South America, Europe, and North America will play across various formats to try and claim a piece of the Contenders prize pool and showcase their talent one last time this year. First up, Asia will have 10 teams playing, 4 from China and Korea, and 1 from Asia Pacific and Australia. Those teams will compete for a share of the $150,000 
between the group stage running from December 10th to 13th and the knockout stage from December 18th to 20th. The knockout stage will be a 16 double limb bracket with the top seeded squad from both China and Korea receiving first round buys. South America will be the smallest pool of teams at 8 playing for $75,000. This portion of the gauntlet will run its group stage from December 4th to 6th and then playoffs on December 11th to 13th with two teams being eliminated in groups. North America and Europe will both share the same format and dates, with each region having 12 teams and a $100,000 prize pool. The eight teams from the November Contenders Tournament in each region will immediately qualify for the event. Open qualifiers will decide the remaining four rosters. Those open qualifiers will run over two weekends between November 28th and December 6th before the knockout stage begins on December 10th. There will also be show matches played between the first and second place finisher from North America and Europe on December 20th, just to give fans some extra Overwatch action before 2021 rolls around. So I wanted to highlight this in particular, um, not just because it's uh, there's there isn't a ton of news outside of trades and movement happening right now, but because this is a pretty big deal. Um, I know there's been a big push lately to support uh, the T2, the Tier 2 scene in Overwatch, just because I think in the past they've kind of uh, lacked a little bit of attention. Um, obviously, Blizzard put in sort of a sort of a loose framework to support uh, the Tier 2 scene, but I think after this season is what it was, or was what it was, and after COVID and everything, I think they're really kind of making an effort to highlight uh contenders and what's going on in the lower levels because really i mean if you want to have a healthy league you have to have something feeding it um you know it can't always just be streamers like teo and and ons actually i'm not even sure if teo i think teo was a streamer i know ons was but uh it's uh it should be interesting actually um i've previously not really paid too much attention to contenders um however given that it's now been or by the time this rolls around at the end of november for the north american tournament Given that it will have been a good at least two months since we uh, saw any professional Overwatch League action, I might actually check this out. Um, I certainly am interested, and uh, I'm always open to catching some good competition there. And as well, I mean, obviously exciting as well that there's other there's more than one tournament, one highlighting South America, one for you know China, Korea, uh, Asia Pacific, and Australia, and then the, the European one, obviously. So. Everything outside of the North American tournament is exciting as well, um, especially, you know, given the wide reach of uh, the Overwatch League as a whole. If you're curious to read a little bit more about that, um, go ahead and go to overwatchleague.com and find the article that Blizzard actually posted. Uh, they posted it last week, I believe, on Thursday, um, and they kind of highlight in a little more detail uh, how it's actually going to look. But the reason I read that article there from uh, duddysports.com from Kale Michael is just because it the, I like the way he kind of lays it out. He simplifies things a little bit more, um, makes it a little easier to read to an audience in this format, um, as opposed to reading the actual official statement or article post uh, from Blizzard. So that is that. Now, um, I'm actually going to throw in... So honestly, that's... That's the end of the news segment this week. As I mentioned, uh, not not that we're light on news this week, but more so the fact that I typically save uh, any news about you know free agencies, retirements, player movement, trades, 
um, signings. I typically save those for the owl tracker. And honestly, that's the majority of the news we've been getting, not just this week, but in the last probably two or three weeks now. Um, so bumping all of that to the owl tracker means I don't have too much to share in the news segment here, but I am going to throw this in here because I did think this was an interesting one. Um, I'm actually, I'll be honest, I'm only partway through it. However, this is called a required reading. Um, so this is a sort of a segment that I might bring around every now and then, might get rid of, we'll see. Um, and I, I just want to highlight an article here that I think everyone should go take a look at, everyone should go uh, fully explore, because I think it's got some really good stuff in it, um, but it's a little a little more editorial than uh, something that I'm going to read uh, in during recording right now. Um, it's quite long, and it's also actually also got a video component. So anyways, without further ado, um, over on GG Recon, go check out this article titled Gladiators GM Brenda Shu on roster building moving forward with DPay and more. So this is an article written by uh, Yiska, who I follow on Twitter. Obviously, he's one of the three hosts or one of the three talking heads on the Tactical Crouch podcast. Um, so another shout out to them because I'm a big fan. But uh, go give his article here a read. And like I say, just a couple paragraphs in there, he's actually got a video embedded um, of his call with Brenda Shu. So essentially, he lined up an interview with Brenda, who is now the general manager of the Los Angeles Gladiators. And he just kind of picks her brain about, you know, not only the, the state of the Los Angeles Gladiators, but about her career, about her progression, um, about her thoughts overall on the structure of, you know, some of the league and, and specifically some of the team structures. Um, so it's got some really good insights there. Um, one of the things in particular that I found interesting is uh, she actually talks about um, adding some more structure behind teams and things, um, not even just in esports, but in on a broader scale than that in other jobs she's had and then she talks about bringing that into the overwatch league um and and you know kind of fleshing out an organization a little more which i think as i've mentioned before when talking about coaches and gms um and you know uh player coaches role coaches strategic coaches all these different titles that the overwatch league seems to have and that different organizations seem to have and different organizations seem to use differently um so she kind of talks about her thoughts on that and how she views those and how she really wants to now that she's in a gm position with the gladiators how she wants to see that function on a team like the gladiators so uh as i mentioned i haven't even actually finished it i'm i'm watching the interview um and i'm just about halfway through here um but i did read through the article um which which also does cover much of the video but you know if you're if you'd rather listen to it then go ahead and check out that video embedded in the article there um, and if you'd rather read it, then go ahead and hit the article and, and yeah, overall just give Yiska the click and the view because it certainly is a good article um, and a good interview that he certainly seems to have put some consideration and time into. So that's it for news and for the required reading. I mean, generally speaking, when I bring up a required reading, I'm not going to give you more than one thing to go read unless there's some really good articles that I come across. But that said... Um, Let's move on to the Owl Tracker. Excuse me for dropping in. So I'm going to do a short little recap here. I believe I spoke about this first point last week um, at the end of the Owl Tracker, obviously. 
but I'm gonna include it in here just to make sure I cover it because it does have some important and some relatively big points to it. Um, I'll actually talk about the first point last uh, from November 2nd, just because I think that's probably the one with the most impact. So let's start on November 2nd, where we go New York XL main support, uh, Mandu announces his free agency. Seoul Dynasty releases Strategic Coast Wizard Hyong. New York XL main tank Mono departs the team and joins the Philadelphia Fusion. So as I mentioned here, I think I actually mentioned, or I think I actually read that last week, um, but I just want to throw it in there just to be sure. Um, obviously, a little bit of movement on the New York side, which is, you know, not a bad thing. Um, New York, one of those teams that uh, certainly has always looked uh, to be a healthy organization and doing well, but then never seems to be able to actually come out on top. Um, in a lot of ways, a little bit comparable to the Philadelphia Fusion, but I think Philadelphia even performing a little better than New York. Um, and certainly I, I look at a team like Philly and I think, uh, I mean, well, things are a little different now than they were at the end of the season, but I look at what their team was at the end of the season and I don't necessarily have a finger to point um, to say, oh, they need to improve this, that, the other. Whereas New York, I think certainly there were a little bit more, uh, there was a little bit more uh, questionable pieces um, that were still hanging around New York and, you know, maybe even a few that still are, not naming any names. But at the same time, um, you know, it's a big deal to see them losing main tank like Mono and, I mean, hey, losing their main support as well. Um, so certainly it'll be interesting to see what they can bring in. But like right now, man, we've got just a ton of uh, a ton of free agents and a ton of uh, players that are ready and willing. So and certainly a place like New York is definitely going to be one of the more marketable, one of the larger organizations, one of the more healthy, as I mentioned already, organizations. So certainly I don't think they'll have a problem attracting the talent. Um, I guess what remains to be seen is is what they can do with that talent. Now, um, and then I, I shouldn't, you know, glaze over soul there. I don't know too much about Wizard Hyong, um, strategist Wizard Hyong. I mean, that's again, another one of those kind of, in a lot of ways, nebulous roles on an Overwatch League team, um, where who's to say what he was actually doing. Um, but generally speaking, I think those people are typically working with coaches and player coaches, um, especially, sorry for the pause, especially when it comes to uh, analyzing teams, analyzing video and playback and things like that. So certainly um, Seoul could be just, you know, trimming some of the fat or they could be looking to move something, um, looking to bring someone else in, something like that. So now the other thing, the arguably, as I mentioned that, you know, hardest hitting fact from November 2nd is Paris Eternal DPS soon uh, Nico and main tank Ben Best announce their free agency. So, I, I again, I'm sure I covered this at the end of the last episode, but I want to highlight it again just to be sure because this is a big deal. Um, what we saw already was a bit of a mass exodus from uh, all of the or most of the Element Mystic side of the Paris Eternal going over to Dallas. Um, but now we see, I believe all three of these guys are the French player base also, um, not signing back up with Paris right away here. Now, yes, because they're free agents, they could still be talking to Paris. Um, certainly that's a possibility, but it does open them up to talking to other teams as well. 
So that's why this is so interesting, um, especially, you know, with Paris being such a, in a lot of ways, a secluded team. Um, you know, they're, they're kind of, they're not alone, obviously, in the European region with the London Spitfire right nearby, but they certainly are kind of alone in the fact that they're not an English-speaking team. Um, they're also not a Korean or Chinese uh, dialect-speaking team, um, which does make them kind of an outlier. Now, obviously, in Europe, you have a lot of countries that are a lot closer together, um, so there is a lot more uh, sharing of languages and cultures and things like that. Um, but if Paris, you know, I mean, looking at those three players on Paris, Paris obviously picked them in a lot of ways because of the region. Um, so for Paris not to immediately pick them back up says something about what Paris is doing. Now, the rumor is that um, the organization as a whole has put out a mandate of, uh, you know, not necessarily signing people at anything except for the bare minimum. So who knows what's going to happen there. Um, Honestly, I would say hopefully some of these players find a new team. Um, I definitely think that all three of them um, rose above what most people would have thought they they would would be showing this this time around, um, this past season. And I think Paris overall performed better than most people would have said, unless, of course, you speak to Ben Best, who I know he already, uh, at the end of the season there, he tweeted out something to the extent of... Uh, um, you know, a big FU to all the casters, all the English casters and people who doubted the Paris Eternal this past season because they did place uh, relatively high in the rankings. So regardless of that, all the best to Paris. Hopefully the organization figures something out and hopefully the players land on their feet. Moving on from there, let's see. That was November 2nd. So we then had a few quiet days, it looks like. Um, nothing listed in this... Uh, in the trade tracker that I'm looking at on the uh, third or fourth there. But coming out on the fifth, um, a bit of a surprising one. Boston Uprising part ways with DPS Jerry. So the reason I say surprising one um, is because I had talked briefly about Boston before. And I know a, a, a big part of what I said was, you know, when it comes to these players that have agreed to stay with the team, uh, it's hard to say if they would have uh, success anywhere else success finding another team honestly because of boston's current situation because of how the team performed this past season you know they're not exactly in in good bargaining positions um however jerry and i think i had mentioned previously as well myungbong on the the support line um probably two players who could potentially find something else and i mean as we will see uh just announced today i believe I'm just looking to see if... Oh, yeah. Yeah, there it is. Just announced today. Jerry, it, it obviously worked out for Jerry. Jerry did obviously uh, have something in the works. So regardless, there you go. Boston parts ways with DPS Jerry. Moving on from there, November 6th. Another uh, shocker last Friday. You know, Friday, I think it was late in the day, like 4.30 p.m., which Toronto time is like 6.30 p.m. So really kind of random how this happened or how, how they announced it. But November 6th, Toronto Defiant re-signed main tank Beast. So this one, an interesting one, especially from the standpoint of a uh, Toronto Defiant fan. Um, I don't necessarily think Beast is the best main tank out there on the market, but I certainly liked what I saw of him and did want to see him come back. You know, if not uh, with with Toronto, with, you know, another organization. Um, 
could definitely honestly have seen him go somewhere like maybe a gladiators maybe even a you know maybe one of the bottom teams obviously not washington because they're going full korean but maybe a uh, boston just trying to move some pieces in there to to give these players a chance um when you're in that kind of not necessarily the best bargaining position um even even a team i mean i want to say like london spitfire obviously we know london is you know, focusing primarily on a European team now, but, you know, I digress. I'm, I'm thinking that kind of style or that kind of rank of team. Um, now, all of that said, I also happen to know I've, I've, I follow uh, Adam Adamu, who is, I believe, chief strategy officer at Overactive Media, the parent company of the Toronto Defiant. Um, and I've seen a number of interviews with him on podcasts uh, before. And I know I, I'm fairly certain he's actually confirmed that the team is working on a two-year plan going into the next season. Um, so there's a good chance that Beast, you know, he he showed enough. Obviously, um, he went into free agency, but he was still talking to the team. Obviously, they made him a good enough offer, or potentially he couldn't find an offer somewhere else. But obviously, the team sees something in him, and bringing in new coaching leadership like they have now, they've done this for the next season. There's a good chance that, uh, you know, maybe he's not the starter, but maybe he is, uh, you know, maybe they're looking for or maybe they're talking to a uh, more veteran player to fulfill that main tank role and to give a lot of the guidance to uh, a beast or I say a beast, but I mean beast or a player like beast. Um, certainly when you hear things like a two or three year plan, um, that's the kind of stuff that jumps to my mind is that, you know, they're not necessarily looking to just have a winning team the next season. They're looking to also have that backbone, um, that culture, that, you know, uh, that, that development where they can raise some of these younger, uh, you know, less, less well-versed players up into the ranks to really kind of let them shine not necessarily the the next season, but the one after or in the future, even if they go to a different team, right? So anyways, um, interesting signing there, um, especially given that, you know, Toronto had previously uh, only signed Logics back from the, pre- from the previous season's roster. So exciting to see that for Toronto fans. I do think Beast uh, comes across as a, uh, uh, you know, a, a, in my mind at least, a good fellow, we'll say. Moving on from there, November 7th, uh, we have the Dallas Fuel acquiring main tank Fearless from the Shanghai Dragons. So again, Dallas making the moves, you know, putting the money down, um, bringing in the talent. So Dallas, obviously, we've talked about a lot uh, throughout this offseason already, given that they've signed, you know, the bulk of the... Um, uh, Element Mystic uh, or former Element Mystic team, a lot of them who were in Paris and, you know, given Paris's situation, um, all of that, which I already talked about. But now bringing in a, a, a tank like Fearless from the Shanghai Dragons, you know, that's a big deal. Shanghai, obviously, we all know how well they did this past season, um, not necessarily in the final finals. However, uh, regardless, uh, it, it's a big deal, especially again giving the given the geographic region and everything and this is in my mind the kind of thing we want to see um i did worry in a lot of ways that when they really had to split things because of covid into the north american region and the apac region i did worry that it was going to segregate things out a lot more and i mean certainly you did see a team like shanghai having primarily um 
you know, Chinese dialect speaking teams, um, you did see teams like obviously uh, Seoul Dynasty having primarily Korean teams. Um, and I did worry that that split was going to be there. Obviously, I think it is hard in a lot of ways for an English speaking or an English only speaking player to go over there and be really integrated into one of those kind of teams. Um, but at the same time, I mean, you could say the reverse about North American. It's hard, North America, it's hard to bring a solely Korean speaking, solely, uh, you know, Chinese dialect speaking or anything else uh, player into a primarily English speaking team, country, etc. Um, but, you know, all of that said, the point I'm getting at is I like seeing this kind of thing. You know, someone going from Shanghai to Dallas. Um, it, it only bodes well for the, the sort of internationality of the league. Also on November 7th, the Washington Justice support arc retires from professional Overwatch. So this one uh, definitely surprised me a little bit. Um, I think that... Uh, I, I, th I think it's, you know, not, not necessarily, I would say, a big shock given, given I guess, how long Ark has been playing. But at the same time, I don't think he was necessarily past his prime. And certainly the, the organization had been using him kind of as their, their front man in a lot of ways. Um, obviously, when, whenever there was an interview at the desk and that kind of thing, when they were picking their opponents or being picked to be the opponent uh, when it came to some of the tournaments there... Um, they obviously had Ark on screen a lot of the time there, talking, kind of representing the team. So maybe, I guess that's probably why I was surprised to hear this. But at the same time, um, you know, Washington obviously going through a lot of changes, bringing in a lot of new players, given how they ended the season. Uh, no, not given how they ended the season. Given how they the state they were in just before the end of the season. Obviously, they turned things around a little bit towards the end there. But I digress. Um all the best to Ark, and hopefully he finds uh, something else, um, you know, in retirement. Now, the final point on November 7th. Uh, this one, for me personally, definitely uh, struck me, uh, made me made me a little sad, given that he's probably my favorite player. Um, I'll talk about the two a little bit as, as a whole, and then I'm actually going to highlight one of them, because, like I mentioned, he's one of my favorite players, so... Toronto Defiant, DPS, Surefor, and Off-Tank, Nevix, announced hiatus from competitive Overwatch. So this one, again, you know, the team, obviously Toronto Defiant, uh, did not re-sign either of these players, Surefor or Nevix. Um, not incredibly surprising there, given, again, the, what Toronto had done, letting go of nine players all in one day or whatever they did. I think it was nine. Um, Nevix, I think... You could definitely see that one coming a little bit more. I did read his retirement statement, and he talks about, you know, being on the San Francisco Shock during their, you know, 2019 uh, amazing season. And although he was on the team, feel like, you know, knowing he was kind of the B string and not feeling like he was a significant contributing part of the team. Um, and then moving to Toronto, and uh, he also talks from there about just being a little bit down on the game and and not necessarily performing as well as he wanted to and things like that. So that one, I can't say I was too, too surprised about. Um, even if he wasn't retiring, I don't think I would have necessarily thought that Toronto would be would be keeping him. But regardless, you know, all the best to Nevix. Now, the other one, Surefor. 
Sure for, sure for, sure for. And I should mention here, both of these players announced they're taking a hiatus. They didn't announce they were retiring, which I thought was very interesting. Um, kind of leaving that door open, and certainly if they can do it, then then great. You know, that would be awesome to see them come back in a year or two or something like that. So, sure for, I'm going to actually read this article from .esports.com, again by Kale Mitchell. Sure for, considering break from the Overwatch League in 2021. Lane Sherfor Roberts is one of the biggest names in competitive Overwatch, but after three years of playing consistently at a high level for two different teams, he's considering taking a break from the game. Sherfor specifically said on Twitter today he's contemplating a hiatus during the Overwatch League 2021 season. So they then have his tweet embedded there, and it reads like this. I'll most likely be taking a break from Owl next season. I've dealt with a lot the past three years and wasn't in a great state of mind because of it. But meeting a bunch of new people and hanging out with them has corrected it a bunch. So it's probably best to take a break. He spent the 2020 season playing for the Toronto Defiance, signing with the Canadian team in free agency after spending his first two seasons with the Los Angeles Gladiators. The team underperformed, however, finishing 15th during the regular season and a tie for 9th in the North American playoffs. In his announcement, Sherford doesn't say anything about Overwatch as a game being the problem, just that he thinks he would probably benefit from taking a break. Quote, oh, and then they have his, uh, his actual quote from his tweet. The Defiant declined to pick up his 2021 option, making him an unrestricted free agent for the upcoming season. So again, I want to highlight that, as they mentioned, you know, definitely one of the one of the probably most well-known, uh, most popular players in the scene. Um, in, in my humble opinion, from what I've seen watching his streams and things like that, all around good guy. Um, so definitely sad to see him go. But I know, you know, he took a step back from Toronto after, honestly, I thought he was performing quite well with them. Um, he took a step back, but I had seen him streaming a lot, and I was kind of starting to pick up on the fact that I think, uh, you know, if he wanted to, if he wanted to go that content uh, creator route, uh, similar to, uh, who was it, Stratus, Stratus, yeah, Stratus, sorry for saying his name so many times just then, <laughs> from the Washington uh, Justice, or, you know, as I had talked about before, um, if, if Super were to think about something like that, I definitely think uh, that could be beneficial for his future as well. So regardless, uh, sad to see Sherfor go. Um, I definitely would have loved to see him move into, you know, a coaching role or something like that, staying with the organization if, if they were willing to keep him, um, a leadership role of some form or another. But I'll keep tabs on him. I'll let you know as soon as he announces he's coming back. Now, moving on from there, you're... November 8th, which was Sunday. I hate when teams do this on Sunday. Like, I just don't understand why. Los Angeles Gladiators sign main tank Muse. Now, I don't actually know too much about this one. Um, he's coming from the Eternal Academy, which was uh, Paris's academy team. However, if I'm not mistaken, they actually folded uh, sort of in the middle of the COVID pandemic and everything. Um, for whatever reason, mostly because it's impossible for anyone to exist during COVID. Um, but from what I've read, he he was a fairly significant standout player um, with the Eternal Academy. So, you know, good to see that happening. Um, I'm just looking at an article here about him. Um, exciting to see Los Angeles Gladiators making some moves, obviously, because, uh, because of everything that they've been going through with uh, their sort of middling season of past and now bringing on uh, Brenda Shu in the general manager role. So finally, that brings us to today. Now, the interesting thing about this 
is I'm going to refresh my trade tracker right now, see if it's got the latest updates. So today, there's one that I was going to mention in particular, but before I planned out the show, I decided to pop on Twitter and see what was going on. And I actually came across two more announcements. Um, so I've added them onto my own sheet, though they're not on here. So uh, next week, I'll probably cover a bunch of these again. I digress. Let's do it. November 9th, Washington Justice signed DPS Jerry. So this is what I was referring to before, you know, November, uh, what was it, 2nd? Nope, November 5th, uh, Boston Partsways with Jerry. Um, you know, I think I at that, when I was reading through that, I said, well, sad to see him go, but I already know where he lands. Well, here you go. Washington Justice now signing Jerry. So this certainly could be a good pickup for them. Um, Jerry definitely seemed like a solid player. Obviously, uh, you know, bad situation with how things turned out in Boston at the end of the season there or throughout their whole season really um, but Jerry certainly one of those promising players that I think could have found a few different homes um, and you know not truly very surprising at all to see him going to Washington knowing you know the rebuild that Washington is is also undergoing at the same time so interesting stuff Washington I think I, I don't even want to say I think. I'm going to say Washington, definitely a team to watch next season. They could certainly be a, uh, a big player, um, knowing what their lineup looks like right now. So that's it on the official tracker. But, 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 but. I've got, oh, I've actually got three more to mention here. Um, I actually forgot to put um, one of these in my run of show. So I'm going to go ahead and just add that in right now. Will I... Uh, goodbye to, there we go. Well, I can. Um, so this was posted, let's see, it is seven o'clock and it is 1030. So three and a half hours ago, um, this one was posted. I'm actually going to start with this one, go on to one other, uh, the most recent one, and then go on to the oldest one actually, because the oldest one, I think arguably I've got the most to say about. <laughs> so, um, as I mentioned here, uh, the Guangzhou Charge, uh, they tweeted this out. Today we say goodbye to three founding members of our team. Thank you, Shu, Nero, and Happy for all your hard work and dedication throughout our first two seasons. You are great players and even better people. We are honored to watch you grow and succeed and wish you all the best. So this one, you know, a, a pretty big deal um, looking at their lineup and everything. Um, you know, and, and the fact that these guys were... The fact that these guys were founding members of the team, um, you know, a big deal and and huge that we're we're seeing teams kind of reach this point where they're now really truly I think uh, growing and the league is evolving on another level um, to say that you know we're not necessarily going to keep players around just because they were founding members and things like that. Um, I think this is you know. Uh, indicative in a lot of ways of what some other teams need to come to the realization of um <clears throat> cough cough new york um so you know exciting to see this happening um i know some of these actually if i'm not mistaken shu has already been announced as going to the los angeles gladiators so i'm not truly sure why they're just tweeting this out maybe this has already been announced and they're just and they're and they're just just you know, officially saying goodbye. I could be crazy. I'm pretty sure Shu has already announced this going to the Los Angeles Gladiators. So anyways, I digress. Um, you know, all the best to them and exciting to see these kind of changes happening. And of course, hopefully these guys land on their feet. I know Nero in particular is one that I'm familiar with and I know he's uh, quite an impact player. So 
Moving on from there, next one I came across was actually uh, Roki, former Toronto Defiant player, obviously. We've talked a lot about Toronto this show. I'm just going to read a little bit from his uh, twit longer there, so go check his Twitter. He is Rocky, Roki, R-O-K-Y underscore O-W on Twitter, I believe. And so he wrote, hello, it's Roki. I've decided to retire after this season. I said I wanted to keep playing after this season, but after giving it a lot of thought over the past two months, I've come to this conclusion. That's all I'm going to read from his tweet longer. Go check it out if, if you're interested. But he talks a lot about how, um, you know, he did have a good time and he does like the league. And, you know, he's very thankful to have worked with who he's worked with and he's learned a lot and things like that. Um, actually, I'll read the last section here. From this point on, I'm going to passionately lead a team as a coach and not as a player. I will never forget all of the things my former teammates and coaches have taught me and my experiences as a player. And I will do my best to lead a team and help them become the best team they can be. Thank you for reading. So this one, you know, just kind of a nice, nice message to see, um, a nice, uh, nice, nice little goodbye from him. Um, you know, a, a player who certainly I think um, could have made a decent impact on maybe another team, just purely because Toronto didn't perform that well as a team overall. So sad to see him go, but uh, all the best to him. Now. This is, I should have mentioned at the top of the show, this is probably going to be a short show, but we'll see how long I actually go on talking about this next point because I think this next point um, is is a an interesting one, no doubt. Um, and I'm just, I'm just actually, I want to double check some stats, so I'm just pulling that up there, yeah. Okay, so let's dive in there. So this is a tweet I came across. Uh, I'm not sure if it was retweeted or if I actually follow him, um, but I'm like, I'll be honest with you, it leaves a bit of a bad taste in your mouth. So this comes from Karkar of the Vancouver Titans or formerly of the Vancouver Titans. He tweets long overdue, but I'm retiring. This game hasn't been fun, especially these past couple of months and a smiley face. He then replied to that tweet and said, I enjoyed playing the past couple of years but Owl was something entirely different from what I expected. On top of that, the game is in an awful state and devs don't know what they're doing. Thank you to my fans for all the support over the years. So, you can see why I wanted to bring this up. So first, let's highlight the facts. The facts are Vancouver did not renew their uh, their contract with Carcar or Carcar's contract with them, I should say. Um, so we knew that he wasn't coming back to the Titans, or at least he wasn't guaranteed to be coming back and you know maybe he was in talks with other teams who knows but that's what we knew um we also obviously knew that he was brought into the team being one of those third impact players that was brought up when the vancouver titans imploded um and i'm just looking at his record here so it looks like 2017 2018 2019 um he did quite well in everything he was playing in um you know first place with uh Kungarna's rap playlist, you know, first place with second wind, first place with second wind, first place with Fusion University, first place with Fusion University. So certainly a lot of promise there. Um, seems to be doing well. Uh, a lot of first place finishes on those teams. Uh, end of 2019, uh, he was with a team called Sky Foxes, Overwatch Contenders 2019 Season 2 North America East. Um, you know, they placed fifth, sixth against, uh, or in that on a team called Sky Foxes. And again, I'm not familiar at all with contenders, so I'm reading all of this. 
Um, following that up, start of 2020 season, he was with the Atlanta Academy um, in a uh, North American season one, week one contenders, uh, placed fifth to eighth. And then from there, that's when the team got brought over to uh, the Vancouver Titans. Obviously, we all know how the Titans did this past season. Not great. But, 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 I digress because I read you those tweets. Now, this is where we get into sort of the speculation and, uh, you know, my personal opinion. However, I don't think I'm alone in this. Now, I personally think that the game is in a much better state than it was when it's when this past Overwatch League season started. I don't think anyone can deny that. Um, I especially think that some of the changes that the league made, in largely in response to COVID, but in response to feedback, um, although it might have seemed like it took a long time, you know, things like hero pools and the tournaments, um, I think you have to understand that these corporations are, you know, multi-million, if not multi-billion dollar corporations. So things don't necessarily turn on a dime. Um, so for all intents and purposes, the team act or the team, uh, pardon me, the, uh, the organization, the Overwatch League as a whole and, uh, Blizzard, um, you know, sort of in tandem actually pivoted pretty quickly to change, you know, in the middle of your season, uh, to a tournament structure, to pivoting to online only because of, uh, COVID and everything, um, as well as, you know, making changes to hero pools, tweaking them for, for sort of air quotes, you know, uh, regular season or early on tournament play, and then making decisions like not having them be a factor in the sort of finals of those tournaments. I think it was actually pretty impressive to see the league make those changes. Now, all that said, um, I also think that the general perception of how this past season went, the general perception of or, or from players and fans alike was that things got vastly better and things in these past few months have actually been better uh, in a lot of ways than they ever have been. So I saw this and I thought, well, you know, am, am I crazy in thinking a lot of that? Well, let's take a look at the replies here. Now, obviously, most of these replies, you know, not necessarily coming from um, not coming from whatever, uh, uh, you know, verified sources or anything like that. But the first reply, uh, reads like this from at Aaron reading. He says, I mean, we hear from a lot of other longtime players that this is the best, the state of the game has been in a long time. But if you feel that way, lol, thanks for the time. Regardless, then someone replied to that and said, but it truly isn't. It's the best state we had since double sniper, only balance-wise. Ladder is a joke right now. Right before goats, but it does not mean it's good. It's just the illusion of it being good because we are used to it, but it ain't good compared to the gold era of that game. So, you know, just, again, that, that's just two of the replies. Um, just interesting stuff that I'm like, man, what... What is going on here? Because I, I truly think that, you know, am I am I crazy in thinking that the game is is doing well and is healthy and, and professional players are actually enjoying it? I think, yes, we saw a lot of uh, players leave and retire, and even still we're seeing a lot of that. But I also think that that's because this is the end of the third season. Now, um, third season might not seem like a lot, but in terms of esports especially, we know burnout is high, and we also know that uh, 
it, it skews very, very young in terms of the age range of players. So I don't think it's unreasonable to have predicted that we would see a lot of this. And the other thing I think we're seeing a lot now is now that the um, the game, or the league, sorry, has moved in a lot of ways to a almost purely online format, um, I think what we're seeing a lot of is players who uh, maybe got into the league and the game because they were good, but not necessarily because they truly loved the game. Um, and I think we're seeing a lot of them kind of stepping back and saying, you know, I'm not getting that travel experience of being on a team. I'm not getting that team house experience of living with the team. I'm not getting uh, everything that essentially that they were promised, which fair enough, you know, you you signed on to be in this league to, uh, you know, for the first couple seasons, live in LA, party in LA, go to these massive events uh, at the, I forget what the convention center is that they were playing at, um, you know, be in the crowd, uh, buy the merch, all that kind of stuff. And, and then moving on from there, and, you know, this past season, the promise was to travel to, uh, I mean, really across the country, but also across the world to play on, on the world's biggest stages and things like that. So certainly you're not getting what you signed up for. And so I think because of that, in a lot of ways, we see a lot of players that are, that are kind of realizing, you know, now that I'm just playing online, you know, for a lot of them, I'm playing, you know, not even out of a team house or something like that, depending on where they were. Um, I think we're, we're seeing a lot of those players kind of, uh, look at things and go, this isn't actually what I want. You know, I had my fun, but maybe now it's time to move on. It's time to quit the grind kind of thing. Um, a couple of the other comments I saw on this, this tweet, uh, in response were things like, ah, Titans strike again. Um, you know, not the usual retirement post, um, that kind of sentiment, which I definitely get, I think. Uh, I think that really it's a bad look. Um, in all honesty, in my humble opinion, you never want to burn a bridge. Um, and I, I truly don't know why you would. Uh, the chances, uh, you know, and, and if Karkar ever wanted to play in the league again, um, if, you know, whatever, he, he found his... He found his, uh, if he found his mojo again and decided, oh man, I should really get back into it. I think he's, that statement says to an organization, you don't want to be here. You don't really truly care. Um, why would we sign you? And that to me is, is the kind of thing you don't want to be putting out into, into the, whatever, into the world. Um, yeah, I just, I, it's tough for me to articulate, but you know, honestly, it's actually, no, that's not true. It's not tough for me to articulate. It's not professional to say something like that. Um, you know, I've talked before and I've heard a lot of other people talk about how there's a level of professionalism that I think when you're on an international stage, you need to exhibit. Um, obviously there's some really bad examples of that right now in the world. However, hopefully that's, uh, you know, I mean, not hopefully that all in for all intents and purposes, that's going to change in the next few months, but I digress. We're getting into other stuff here, but I just think that, you know, in, in every sense of the word, it's not professional to make a statement like that, especially on a public forum um, where you have, you know, as, as big a platform as he did in a lot of ways. So anyways, um, obviously things didn't pan out with Vancouver, but in this case, I certainly don't think that was Vancouver's fault in any way, shape or form. Um, I, I had talked previously as well, just 
theorizing that, you know, I think Vancouver was just trying to get to the end of the season. In a lot of ways, I think they just were very much like, uh, you know, we've brought a team in. We want to finish the season. If we get a couple wins, great, but we'll build from there. And I think, uh, you know, with them not re-signing Karkar, I think that kind of shows a little bit of insight into maybe why we aren't seeing Karkar come back. Um, you know, if, if the league w- or if the organization was talking to him and if they were keeping a close eye on things, I would suspect they knew in a lot of ways that's how he felt um, or he wasn't necessarily the best, uh, you know, team player. Because certainly, you know, it's tough to lose day in and day out, but you don't want someone who is is constantly in a very negative mood about the game as a whole, about your team, about your teammates. Um, it's just not a good environment to be in. And so looking at their, you know, their roster of announced people that they've, they have renewed with, Rolf, Dalton, Shredlock. Um, I mean, Shockwave still shows up there, but I don't think there's actually been an announcement about Shockwave. Um, but you look at those players, and especially with someone like Rolf, who's you know definitely on the older end of the the Overwatch League, the esports scale. Um, I suspect it came down to a lot of the the team dynamics um, and kind of what the organization is looking for in in a representation way. And you know the fact that he said something like that again on a public forum like Twitter says to me that uh, that's not necessarily someone you want representing your organization. Now, who am I to say I'm just Joe Blow in my basement here recording a amateur podcast? Um, but that's how I kind of read that. And I'd, I'd be curious to, to know what, you know, some other people think about that. Um, so I'll be listening tentatively, uh, tentatively, listening attentively to, uh, you know, my other Overwatch League podcasts to see what they think, if they even talk about this. Um, in fact, I and, you know, to shout out Ready, Set, Pwn, uh, the Vancouver Titans and Toronto Defiant podcast. I certainly think, uh, I suspect they will talk about that because uh, because it's the kind of thing that they would talk about. So anyways, that's all I have to say about that. And that brings us to the end of our show. So I know I uh, mentioned, I mean, halfway through the show, but I know I mentioned at one point that this was probably going to be a little bit of a shorter episode and, you know, looking at the timestamp, it definitely is a little bit shorter, but uh, not too, too bad. Obviously, I somehow managed to fudge my way through 50 minutes of, of a lot of talk about trades and things like that. But um, that's all there is for today. So in case you missed it at the top of the show, this was One Man Watchpoint, episode 24. And One Man Watchpoint is an Overwatch podcast where we talk about everything going on in the wonderful world of Overwatch. I'm your host, Sir Dr. JM. You can find me on Twitter. You can find me on Instagram at Sir Dr. JM. And of course, if you reach out to me on any of those platforms, I would love to interact with you and I would love to uh, answer any questions, uh, you know, discuss any feedback. Honestly, if you if you have any feedback for me, if you like it, if you don't like it, if you have suggestions or whatever, you know, I'm likely to actually talk about exactly what you tell me. So, you know, as long as it's constructive, then I'll certainly bring it up on uh, the next episode. Um, reach out to me on Twitter, on Instagram at SirDRJM. You can, of course, find this podcast on all your pod- favorite podcast services, Apple Music or Apple Podcasts, I should say, Google Podcasts, Spotify, etc., etc. Um, and that's all we have for today. So, you know, 
GG, no re. Well, hopefully re. Hopefully, if you listen to this episode, we'll hear you. We'll see you next week as well. But again, reach out to me on Twitter and uh, we'll interact. Bye bye.